All right, to all those who are kindergarten through uh, fifth grade, if you guys can make your way up for your lesson this morning, two-year-olds, no, yeah, three, four, and five-year-olds, three, four, and five-year-olds, if you make your way to your back, uh, to the back, you'll meet your teacher there. Well, we're at the end of spring break, and I hope everybody enjoy. I really told someone, I said, I really expected lower numbers over spring break, but it's been a good group. And so I'm really excited about that. I know there's still some that are gone and traveling, so we pray up their, uh, their travels. But I am so glad, so thankful that you all are here this morning. I'm going to say this, Marie Cundiff. Where's Marie? Are you hearing me, Marie? Oh, she's hiding. Marie has celebrated her 101st birthday this last week. 101st birthday. There is, I'm going to announce this now instead of announcement time, but, but at, directly after the service, there's going to be a reception for Marie in the activity center. I'm still right on that, aren't I? No one's correct. Oh, no one's saying no. So if you want to come by and see Marie and celebrate her 101st birthday, please do that. She would love to have you come by and, and, and eat a cupcake. Is there cupcakes? Okay, there's cupcake. <laughs> cake, there's cake. I threw out a guess. I was wrong. At least cake is part of that. So, <laughs> oh man, it is so good to be together. Uh, I really look forward to the time. Not so much that this opportunity to stand before you and preach, but man, just greeting you at the door is that that's a highlight of my week. Just seeing you folks and and hearing what's going on, some of the rejoicing that's going on, and some of the difficulties that you're facing. I I love the church. Oh, I love the church because when I see you, I see God's work at hand. You know. The reason we're here is because of him. The reason I know the things I know is because of him. Listen, this word, as, as a church, I, I will say it, we love his word. Here, we love his word. We want to be respectful of his word. We want to be honoring of his word. Uh, to, to everyone that's here, if you haven't been told, man, we encourage you to read this and, and to, to take it into your life and, and to apply it and, and let it become like your breath. Uh, that's, that's who we are. We want to encourage that. Uh, if, if you've never dove into the scriptures, one thing that I've told a lot of people is, is go into the New Testament. Read for, you know, begin by reading about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Read those four because, boy, he's the center of the whole thing. And, and after you get familiar with Jesus, go and, and learn about the church by reading Acts. And, and once you get used to the, 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 or familiar with that New Testament, then dive into that Old Testament. We're not going to tell you, hey, we want to ignore that Old Testament. Matter of fact, you know we've been going through Zephaniah. And I, like I said, I told a few people that I'm going to go through Zephaniah. And I think my brother-in-law is the one who said, really, Zephaniah? <laughs> I'll tell you how we even came to that. There's a reason. Uh, we, every once in a while, I do a, a, a sermon development group. You know, we just have, invite folks over for some fellowship at our home and let them know. Said, man, this is... So I'll have some, a young married couple, maybe a family, have, have a couple and grandparent types in there and maybe some of the elders and, and uh, uh, some single people and some military people and non-military people. Just try to get a cross-section of the church. We're sitting in our living room. Linda prepares uh, desserts. That's why you come. And then <laughs> we talk about what, what is it that we need to hear as a, as a church. 
And so it's an opportunity for me to listen. And one of the things said at the last time was, was Old Testament, more Old Testament, and, and even the minor prophets. Matthew had the opportunity to go through. Habakkuk did a great job. And, and so I was excited about doing some myself uh, and going through Zephaniah, going through Zephaniah. The theme of Zephaniah, the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is what we've been, been looking at. Today is that final day. Where, where we've been in, in, through this book of Zephaniah has been, last week I described it as heavy because this day of the Lord we're seeing as, as God's judgment, God's condemning judgment. Specifically, this is going to be God's condemning judgment over Jerusalem, over Judah, as it was described. Uh, they, they have been unfaithful to God. They've been idolaters. They've, they've been worshiping Baal. They've been worshiping Molech. They've been worshiping other gods terribly. But Josiah was raised, started early, and was raised to seek after God. 16 made that decision himself. It was a personal decision he made to seek after God. No other gods. And, and so you see the progression. He, he begins, you know, later in his life to start removing all that idolatry out of, out of his kingdom. And, and 26, he clears out the temple. He, he re, rebuilds it or, or, or refurbishes it. Uh, and in the cleaning out, they find God's law. And, and it's read to him. And, and he is shaken because in that law, he sees the benefits of being the people of God. He see, reads the covenant. The covenant's read, man, if you're faithful to me, you're, man, blessings are going to be upon you. But if you're unfaithful to me, if you're unfaithful, if you pursue other gods, destruction is coming. And when he read that, he knew that his grandfather and his father were very much into bringing idolatry into this world and he, or into their kingdom. And he knew that there was going to be trouble. He knew there was going to be trouble. Matter of fact, Zephaniah, this book of Zephaniah is written during the time of Josiah, as it says. And in chapter 1 and chapter 2, it is filled with condemnation. Wouldn't you love to read that? Zephaniah, what word do you have for us today? Well, okay. Judah's going to be destroyed next week. Okay, Zephaniah, what word do you have for us today? We're headed for destruction. <laughs> it's coming. And, and one of the points that I made earlier in this is that, hey, God is a, is a, he is, he is a God of his word. He is going to act as he says. Because of the disobedience, Josiah knew it, and Zephaniah came and confirmed it. Destruction, destruction, destruction. Chapter 3 doesn't really change in that in its beginnings. In its beginnings, it goes back to saying that destruction is coming. It's because of their, their, their continued ignoring God. Even, in, in, I believe it's like verse 6 and, and 7, he says, Even though that I brought other, other nations down around you, that you thought that, well, maybe that would catch your attention and you would, you would once again return to me, but he said you didn't. And therefore, destruction, judgment is coming. I want to read verse 8 for you in chapter 3. He says in, in verse 8, he says, Therefore, wait for me, declares the Lord, for the day I will stand up for that day, or for the day uh, I will stand up to testify. I have decided to assemble the nations, to gather the kingdoms, and to pour out my wrath on them, all my fierce anger. 
the whole world will be consumed by the fire of my jealous anger. That's verse 8. Oh, we're nearly done with this book of Zephaniah. Wouldn't that be tragic if that was the last things that Zephaniah said? His condemning judgment is over you. And that's, that's the last word. But that's not the last word. I'm looking forward to dealing with chapter 3 today. Matter of fact, I want to pick up in verse 14. 14 through 17 is, is where I want to read. Because there is a, an amazing turn here. Amazing message that comes after all this destruction and judgment is coming upon you. In verse 14, here's the instruction that he is giving to the, to the people of Judah and to us as well. Listen to what he says. Verse 14 begins with, sing, sing, daughter of, excuse me, there, sing, daughter Zion, shout aloud Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. Does that seem out of place after where we've been the past couple of weeks? Okay, sing, or no, shout, sing, be glad and rejoice. What? <laughs> let, me, let me go ahead with the rest of the verses. Verse 15 says, and here's the reasons why. He says, the Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day, they will say to Jerusalem, do not fear Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord, your God, is with you. The mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. That is absolutely contrary to what we've heard in, in the first two and even part of chapter three because of coming destruction. Now, when he comes to verse 15, he says, man, he's taken away your, your uh, uh, punishment. No, no, he hasn't. We, we know this for a fact because in, in 586 B.C., that, that's the date they've given it, when, when Babylon came in, destroyed Jerusalem, killed its people, and all those who survived were taken into captivity. That's, we know that. So, didn't take away, what? <laughs> we're we're going to venture into this. But still, he has this message to the faithful to shout, to sing, to be glad and rejoice. And the question is, why? And I, I believe the answer is one that we need to embrace as well today. And it's this, because God's plans deserves celebration. What, what God has planned, what God is doing, even in the midst of even trials and difficulties coming ahead, it is worth celebrating. His plans are worth celebrating. I, I want to go through those, those reasons that's laid out in those verses 14 through 17. Uh, now, again, I encourage you to read all of chapter 3. There might be questions, and, and with only so much time, I, I really want to focus on these, these four, these reasons for celebrating. So the first reason is this. God will rescue those who call on his name. That's pointed out in these verses. God is going to rescue those who call on his name, which is really contrary to chapter 2 because we saw, okay, those who you are faithful, you know, 
uh, seek God, seek his righteousness, and, and seek humility. Seek those things. And then the message, if, if you do those things, there's a possibility he, he's going to give you shelter. Okay, that's the message for Judah and the coming destruction of Jerusalem, okay? But I, I want you to understand, too, this day of the Lord. I want to get a better picture. What is this day of the Lord that we're talking about? There's the day of the Lord that, that talks about destruction, that talks about difficult things that are coming ahead. Uh, for Judah and Jerusalem, boy, that was going to happen. That was the day of the Lord. Matter of fact, it's going to happen again in 70 A.D., it's going to happen again, the destruction of Jerusalem. Because they're going to return after their captivity. Jesus is, is going to be born. He's going to die and, and be raised. But, but at 70 AD, Jerusalem is going to be destroyed again. Jesus predicted that. And, 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 but let, let's think about it. In, in this book of Zephaniah, there's not just the talk about the destruction of Jerusalem. Because there's a complete and, and absolute destruction that's coming. Back at chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Here's, here's how it sounded at the beginning. It says, I will sweep away everything. From the face of the earth declares the Lord. That doesn't sound like just taking out Judah and Jerusalem. I will sweep away both man and beast. I will sweep away the birds of the sky and the fish. Almost a reverse of, of, of creation. At the last, he says, when I destroy all mankind on the face of the earth, declares the Lord. He's going to wipe out all mankind. Then we came to... Uh, verse 8 here in chapter 3. Again, he says, I'm going to gather all the, the nations together, and all the, the nations of the king, all their kingdoms, and, and, and to pour out my wrath on them, all my fierce anger. The whole world will be consumed by the fire of my jealous anger. Has that happened? <laughs> yes, no. It, it's kind of a yes, no, because I... I we see God's anger working in this world today. Paul made it clear. In, in, in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, let me remind you what it says. It says that, 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 that God's wrath is being revealed from heaven. God's wrath is being revealed from heaven. We say, what's going on in this world? Well, God's wrath is being revealed from heaven. The ugliness, you know, the wars that's going on, the ugliness, the, 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 uh, the unruliness of our government right now, the, the, man, the lack of faith and trust in it and, and, and the, the, the fighting between parties, uh, the pandemic. Yeah, God's wrath is being revealed in this world. Now, it, it's not that he is, is orchestrating each one, but he is allowing us to, to live according to our own sinfulness, uh, to be taken over by our own greed, our depraved minds. That's how it, it's played out. Now, so when I say, yes, yeah, God's wrath is being revealed as he steps back and allows those things to take over us, but there is still that final day. Zephaniah mentions it. Guess what? Revelation talks about it. There's a final day, a day of the Lord that, that's going to come and destruction. That's ahead for us any day now, any day now. But also amongst that, here's, here's what we see working in Zephaniah. There's also the day of the Lord that describes his rescue. I love chapter 3. I love the beginnings of verse 9. There is a rescue that God has given to us. The, the rescue that is available to us. And it's already started. It's already begun. And it too is going to be com completed on that day of the Lord. And the day of his coming. So, so what is that? 
let's look briefly. I would have loved to spend more time in 9 through 13. Should have done this in two weeks. We're going to do it in one day. But here's 9 through 13. Let me at least read it for you and then go through with a couple of points of what God is doing in his rescue, okay? Beginning in verse 9, he says, Then I will purify the lips of the peoples, that all of them may call on the name of the Lord and serve him shoulder to shoulder. From beyond the rivers of Cush, my worshipers, my scattered people, will bring me offerings. There's so many more people contained than just his own people when you talk about those beyond Cush. That's, that's into Africa and other places. Um, he goes on, On that day Jerusalem will not be put to shame for all the wrongs you have done to me, because I will remove from you your arrogant boasters. Never again will you be haughty on my holy, holy hill. But I will leave within you the meek and humble. The remnant of Israel will trust, they will trust in the name of the Lord. They will do no wrong. They will tell no lies. A deceitful tongue will not be found in their mouths. They will eat and lie down and no one will make them afraid. So what all that is describing right after his destruction saying this is what God is going to do. He's going to purify lips. For what? In order for people that they might be able to call upon the name of the Lord. To be able to call upon him. And it goes on. It says to be shoulder to shoulder. It, I, I believe that's a great way of describing the unity that he's going to bring us to. And, and, and not only that, he's going to remove those who are arrogant He's going to remove the prideful. And, and to those, he's going to gather those who are humble and those who are meek. And, who, and what are they going to become? They're going to become his righteousness. In verse 13, what does he say? Again, they will do no wrong. And, and, and they will not have that, that deceitfulness. They will not have a deceitful tongue. They're not going to lie. Who is he describing? People in Jesus. He's describing people in Jesus. And here's where you get that. Back to 15. Back to looking at 15. The Lord has taken away the punishment. When? When is that going to happen? He has turned back your enemy. Again, when? The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. The Lord, the King of Israel. Well, Josiah is on the throne at the time this was written. Who are we thinking of? The Lord is going to be established upon his throne. Well, when did that happen? Remember I said that once they returned, the remnant returned back, and, and Jesus uh, was born 400 years later. And, and uh, boy, he grew up, he had his ministry. And, and after the three years of ministry, he entered into Jerusalem with what? A celebration. A, a, a celebration appropriate for the true king of Israel to enter. And, and, and here he came. And the week later, he was on the cross and, and died upon the cross. And he rose from the grave. And he, he has taken that eternal throne. That's his place. All the, Hey, listen, it's important to understand that God has brought us rescue. Nothing from ourselves. He has enabled us. To come to that place of calling upon the name of the Lord. Matter of fact, that's in Acts chapter 2, verse 21. Part of, the, part of the reasons are a description of what was going on on that day of Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit came upon all the people. And they spoke in, in different languages. Uh, the answer was, was 
from Peter. He said, I will show you the wonders in heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire, billows of smoke. He was quoting scripture. He said, the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great day and glorious day of, of the Lord. And he said, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That message in Zephaniah is applied after, after Jesus ascended into heaven and that Holy Spirit came. It is being applied. Guess what? That's part of where we are right now. We're living in that time. The, the, hey, we're still living in, the, in those days of, of, of God's wrath. Being displayed from heaven. We see it happening. We see the wickedness and difficulties. Matter of fact, I do know that some of you are going through those difficulties. And I want you to embrace the passage of Scripture that says, God has done it all. God has done it all. There, there, there is, there's a reason for rejoicing. Well, wait a minute. There's difficulties ahead. And, and there's a day of judgment yet to come. And today is the right day for rejoicing. He told Judah. And after Josiah passed, it was only a few years later that Jerusalem was going to be laid flat. Many of them were going to die. And the rest were going to be taken into captivity. And yet he told them, listen, shout, sing, be glad and rejoice. How, how is there any different message for you and I? The, the absolute truth is the reason they were told that is because God's in control. God is absolutely in control. He's not out of control when you see difficulties. Comes to God, what are you doing? Why are you allowing? Well, hey, it is God's wrath working in this world. It just reminds us that there's a day of wrath yet to come. It's ahead. Guess what we get to do? Shout! Sing it! And rejoice over him. Isn't that right? That's who we are. That's, that's your life in believing in a, in a God who laid out this plan in the Old Testament. Wonderful. I believe that we have a clear perspective of what God is doing in this world when we get familiar with all his word. I'll pursue it. Take it in and love it. There, there's another reason for celebration that I don't want to miss. Uh, another reason for celebration actually comes out in the second part of verse 15 and also 16. Uh, verse 15, it says, the Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. That's a good message. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day, they will say to Jerusalem, do not fear Zion. Do, uh, do not fear Zion. Uh, do not let your hands hang limp. You, you know what fear does to you, right? I, I get that image that, man, you just, it, it's like giving up. In the, in the face of fear, you just want to go and limp. Another way to put it is go hide in a corner, become useless, become weak. Don't do that because there's no reason for fear anymore. Well, when did that begin to happen? When did that? I, I believe that, that the people of Judah and Jerusalem, again, had reasons to be fearful. Destruction was inevitable. It was coming. And, and, but for us... This, this not being afraid anymore was going to come again when Jesus came into this world. When he died upon the cross, when they laid him in the tomb, and when he rose again. When Jesus conquered death, let me ask you, what do you have to be afraid of? When Jesus rose from the dead, and Paul says in, in, in Romans chapter 6, if you're going to be like him in his death, you will also be like him in his resurrection. To those who call the name of the Lord, receive Christ, 
and, 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 and take him as, his, as, as your own? Don't you understand the promise is that you too will be raised just as he was? Oh man, what do you have to be afraid of? COVID? <laughs> no. Mark preached this sermon. And out of his heart, he said, man, it's faith, not fear. It's faith, not fear. Isn't that right? He nailed it. And this scripture says, hey, there's a reason to shout. There's a reason to sing. There's a reason to be glad and to rejoice. Because there's no reason to, to be fearful any longer. We're people. And, and not to be limp and, and weak. Matter of fact, that, that reminded me of a passage out of Hebrews chapter 12, 12 and 13. Where, where in Hebrews, he's talking about discipline. God's discipline over his children. Don't you love God's discipline? No. <laughs> Who loves discipline? In the midst of it, it's hard and difficult. But when it's done and you see what God's able to do through it, man, give him praise for that. Give him for the praise for, for the strengthening of your faith and your perseverance. God allows those things to happen. And then in verse 12, he says, Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Hey, are you familiar with feeble arms and weak knees? I mean, feeble knees and weak arms. Yeah, are you, are you familiar with that when you're going through difficulties and troubles? Oh, man. I, hopefully, the weakness takes you to your knees and you go before him and, and you know where to lay your burdens, right? That's where you go. You, hey, it's, I'm going to lift it up to you, God. I'm going to trust you. But in the meantime, what am I going to do? Shout. <laughs> Sing. Be glad and why? Because of God's overall plan doesn't have the hurts and the pains and the difficulties. I, matter of fact, after the, the great day of the Lord, that's all ended. So that's a reason to be celebrating today. That's a reason to be celebrating today. Let me tell you what. Someone would, would just poo-poo the idea. Well, isn't that great? I just said poo-poo. Would, would just disregard this idea of going through the book of Zephaniah. Why? Because it's full of God's wrath. It's talking about God's wrath. I want to talk about the scriptures. I want to identify the days of wrath. I want, to, I want you to be able to see that God's wrath is going to be poured out. It is evident in this world today. Why? Because I want you to know and embrace the grace of God. There's no way, no way that anyone could appreciate the grace of God unless you understand totally where we are before God without Jesus. I'm under his condemnation. I deserve his wrath. That, that's what I deserve. And yet, look what he's done for us. Matter of fact, that's the third, third reason for, for our rejoicing, our, our celebration. And it's found in this, that God's love is unimaginable. I had to use the word unimaginable. I, how do you describe what he lays out there in verse 17? How, how can you describe it? It is unimaginable. It begins like this. In 17, it says, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. Matter of fact, a, a better way of putting that is the mighty hero who saves. He's a hero. The battle's, battle's been fought. He's a hero who, who saves it goes on to say, he will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. 
I want to read another way that this probably is better interpreted. Okay? This is actually a little bit of a poem that's written out. In, in, in a, this different translation, it says, He will delight over you with joy. He will be quiet over you in his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. He will delight over you with joy. He will be quiet over you in his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. This is the holy God that we're talking about. Keep that in mind. It says that he will delight over you with joy. What a reversal of what we deserve. Uh, all the condemnation, all the ugliness we see laying out there. Hey, because of our sinfulness, we're right there. We, we deserve that condemnation. And yet, what does he say? He, he works in a way that he does what? He delights over us. We're, and, you know, Paul said that we're objects of his wrath, which is absolutely true. And yet in this verse he says, he delights in us with joy. We bring him joy. What, what, what are you doing to bring him joy? What, what is he? Can I tell you? What, what is it? Are you, what is it? The way you sing? I heard some of you. No, that's not right. Uh, I, what, what is it you doing? No, I, some of us are messing up. Matter of fact, we're messing up a lot. How is it that he delights in us with joy? It's all been his work. What he's done through Jesus. To bring us to a place of being righteous, of, of having those purified lips, to where we have the ability then to call upon the name of the Lord. Understand, he's done it all, and he delights in us with joy. I want you to understand this next part. He says, he will, he will be quiet over you in his love. That's a better way translated than 17. In 17, it says, uh, he, in his love, he will no longer rebuke you. That's a way to think about it. But the way it should be translated is he, he's going to be quiet over you. And you could come up with, well, he's not going to rebuke you. But, but the imagery that I, have, uh, that, that I had in reading that, and also out of a, one of the commentaries, it suggested thinking about what Isaiah said. What Jesus, when he was going to come, he's going to be like, he's going to be that, that lamb to the slaughter, a sheep before its shears is silent. Remember Jesus. Think about this. He, he is going to be quiet over you in his love. What did Jesus do in front of his accusers there at that mock trial? That sham of a trial where, where you know, fabrications were being presented. He was silent. He gave no defense. Because he knew he was going to face the cross. I think that was the greatest expression of his love. To stick, stand there and take all those accusations, that is a great expression of his love. The fact that he was silent. He stood there silent on our behalf. And then he will rejoice over you with singing. Again, that blows my mind. He rejoices over you. Do you feel like, do you feel like that day? Man, have I lived that kind of week this week that God is rejoicing over me? <laughs> oh, praise God for Jesus. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. 
He rejoices over you. Hey, in 14 it says, hey, listen, you need to shout. You need to sing. You need to be glad and rejoice over him and what he's done. And 17, what's he doing? He, he, is, he is expressing his joy. He is singing over you. He's rejoicing over you. Isn't he worth celebrating? He is so worth our celebration, worth our time, worth our efforts of, oh, man, I want to know more of you. I want to come to an understanding of you. I want to express my life in you every day and on my knees in prayer and before the world around me. They need to know a God who loves them so much that he has presented a rescue for them. He has enabled a rescue for them. He's done it all through Jesus. And he's available. And, and, and they have the ability to, to call upon the name of the Lord. They have to have the want to. But they need to hear the message. Oh, man. We ought to celebrate him by singing it outside these walls around our community. Oh, listen. And, and, and don't forget this. Another reason for our celebration is because uh, we have nothing to fear. Our Savior, the one who's gone before us, rose from the dead. What do you have to be afraid of? And finally, oh man, the expression of his love. That's worth memorizing. Ch uh, chapter 3, verse 7. Write down, down Ty. Uh, you know, and, and Mark. I know you guys memorize. Uh, and, and all of you. Chapter 3, verse 17, Zephaniah. If you're memorizing scripture, get that one down. Memorize that scripture. You could ask me later this week. You got that down? It's, it's almost there. <laughs> oh, man, hold that close to your heart. That's the expression of God's love for you and I. Hey, listen. God has given us every reason to celebrate him. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? Today, with troubles coming ahead, he's given us reason to celebrate him. No matter what this day holds for you and I, he's, we're celebrating because of the whole plan he lays out. And, and we get to be a part of that. Woo! Leads us to rejoicing. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you. We thank you for your word. Lord, I praise you for the Old Testament. Father, for, for the prophet who speaks on your behalf. And Lord, your words that speak of, of your rescue. Your words that speak of your great, amazing love. Your words that bring us to a place of strength to live for every day. And, and even a sense of joy, Lord, that we ought to be spreading around in our, our community. Lord, we pray up our family. We pray up our, our friends or neighbors who don't know this message. We pray, Lord, that they will come to know Jesus through us. Lord, make that message clear. Help people understand and be able to rejoice over what you provide. God, we praise you always for your salvation. We praise you for Jesus, and we praise you, Lord, for your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.